Welcome back to the Canadian Gun Vault Behind the Vault Door. My name is Mark Morelli. I'll be your podcast host. Got my radio voice on. Joining me today, none other than the living legend himself, podcast Brian. Brian, thank you so much for being here. Well, thanks for having me again. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to this one because, I mean, here we are in the closing days. Uh, we're in the, uh, the beginnings of 2020, and uh, we're... Uh, Coming in on the two-week mark before uh, the delivery of any kind of news, uh, the uh, bad news that we're expecting uh, to come from this uh, government as soon as they sit again. And uh, for those of you out there that are uh, standing around with their thumbs up their butts, thinking to themselves that nothing is going to happen or believing that this government is going to pass on a, an opportunity to take a swat at us. Uh, I truly do believe that you are sadly mistaken. And I don't want to make this podcast all about doom and gloom, but I want to talk about a couple of things. Uh, Brian, you know, your thoughts on the subject of uh, upcoming bans, because I mean, you and I both feel the same way about this. Something's coming. Well, uh, we've, um, you know, Mark, we've done what we can. I mean, we have very limited power. Mm. Um, we have a little bit of influence and we certainly have opinions mm. and we have millions of people who feel similarly, firearms owners, shooters, hunters, uh, sports shooters, uh, you know, um, collectors. Um, four years ago when we started talking about this kind of stuff, I told you that we were going to be looking at a ban by the end of of Trudeau's mandate. And I don't think Trudeau's mandate is going to run another four years. I think he's probably only going to be here for maybe two, if that. Um, however, um, he's his party is making very aggressive moves towards the gun-owning community in this country. It's a crass political move. It's meant to curry a few votes from the hard left of the uh, spectrum. We, we knew that. Um, it bothers me that everyone hasn't pulled together. There are certain businesses, there are certain ranges, there are certain firearms advocacy groups that still don't get it. And they're not pulling together. Uh, I would like to note the stellar work of the CCFR yeah. and the CSSA and uh, for really leading the charge, especially CCFR leading the charge on this whole issue. They've been doing stellar work. Um, uh, Rod Giltaka and Tracy uh, are just uh, really doing you know, the heavy lifting for all of us. And I would like to call them out uh, for that, for being outstanding in that way. So, you know, all the firearms owners in this country, regardless of your interest, they have probably earned more respect for their, for their advocacy than, than anyone else. That being said, lots of other people have been doing quiet things behind the scenes and, you know, bending ears and, and trying to influence that way. But the reality is, is it's all hands on deck. Yep. We have to pull everyone together. That means every range in the country, every gun shop in the country, every sports shop in the country, every hunter, sports shooter, pistol shooter, you know, collector, everyone needs to pull together. We all need to be 
signing this petition that's yep. uh, out there, uh, the e-petition that's online. We, everyone needs to be sending their letters. Some people out there have sent a letter to every member of parliament, not their own, which I think is fantastic. I if if everyone did that, if everyone sent, you know, 250 letters out to 250 members of parliament and then, you know, and then they all had to respond. I mean, that had really gummed up the works for a while. Well, but, know, but, but that the letter writing campaign, again, very important. And, you know, it's sad that we've only had a, maybe 100,000 people do the e-petition because realistically we should be looking at 2 million very upset firearms owners uh, who disagree emphatically with the government's position. And I think the government should be threatened in the sense that um, you're going to lose power because of your position on this and because of your uh, um, uh, hypocrisy. So, you know, if there's one message I can send in this podcast today to everyone out there, pull together, back each other up. You don't have to like each other. You don't have to agree with each other. But if we are not heard as one group, we are done. Yeah. And when it's over, it's over. Yeah. It ain't coming back. Have a look at uh, Australia. Have a look at New Zealand. New Zealand is facing massive problems. They have massive noncompliance. And we can all cheer that all we want. But I want all you people out there who have private property and careers and reputations to think about if you become non-compliant, that's going to impact on that. So, um, and I'm not saying those people are wrong. I do believe that unjust laws need to be disobeyed because we are not slaves. We are free people and the government works for us. But that being said, you have to be aware of the consequences of that line of reasoning. And I think it makes more sense to convince the government to follow a wiser course of action rather than this rash, unacceptable uh, confiscation of private property. Um, theft. I, it, it is a theft. theft. It's confiscation. And I, wherever you hear the term used in the newspaper and the media that this is a buyback, do not let them get away with that. Call them out on it. This is a confiscation. This is theft of personal property. We did not offer this property for sale. We do not agree to the price they're offering. We do not agree to the end result of what they're going to do with our private property when they confiscate it. So there, this is not a buyback. Don't let them set the tone on that. It's completely unacceptable. Well, you know, just to, just to echo some of your sentiments, uh, again, hats off to the CCFR, Rod Gutaka, Tracy Wilson, all the directors, everybody that's participated. Fantastic work. An unbelievable job. Uh, for those of you that are unfamiliar with what's going on, uh, they, they certainly have template letters on their website that you can draw from. I encourage everybody to express themselves personally in, in a letter that you craft yourself. That, I mean, if you, if you want to take the AZ route and just, you know, print off what they've done and send it off to Justin Trudeau's office, send it off to Billy Blair's office, send it off to your member of parliament's office. Uh, I really do think that there's a lot of merit in sending a copy to everybody. It's free. It's free. You don't have to pay postage. So for the low, low cost of some uh, white paper and some envelopes, you can uh, do your part in expressing your dissatisfaction with the approach that this government has taken to the entire subject of violent crime in our city streets, uh, you know, pointing the finger at gun owners. I mean, we've debated that one ad nauseum. I mean, we we know we're not the problem. They know we're not the problem. I mean, everybody knows it. Uh, there, there doesn't seem to be any su suggestion, uh, you know, from anybody that's thinking intelligently 
that uh, legal gun owners are in any way, shape, or form connected to the violence that's happening abroad, you know, overseas, uh, is happening in our metropolitan cities. Uh, you know, the money could be spent in, in, in a much more appropriate fashion and effective fashion. I think that it's really important for the people that aren't gun owners out there to realize that, you know, to start, you know, about 600 million of your tax dollars is about to be pissed into the wind uh, to effectively buy back property that's never going to be used uh, in a crime. Uh, I, I mean, if you really want to see the violence stop, I think the last thing you want to do is waste $600 million on buying back guns that would never be used in crimes instead of perhaps, say, uh, bolstering the numbers of officers uh, that you would see on the city streets. I mean, I, I don't think anybody wants to see more cops, but I think, though, that with the numbers uh, being what they are, and police organizations have been begging, uh, you know, to replenish their numbers as they've dwindled. You know, people retire, people go off on stress leave, they're injured. You know, any one of a number of things have happened over the course of the last decade where, uh, certainly in Hamilton, uh, I, I can speak for uh, the Hamilton Police Service in this regard, uh, at least from my experiences, that for the last decade, uh, the front lines have been complaining terribly. And I experienced it myself. You know, people don't realize how few officers they actually have out on the street during each shift and, and the impact it has on officers when they start shifts so under strength. Uh, there's a minimum number of officers that should be on the street. They are uh, typically and chronically starting shifts, you know, with four, five, and sometimes six you know, officers under strength. And the workload effectively doubles, you know, with each officer below strength you uh, start a shift with. And all it takes is a couple of significant events and a few officers being tied up. And you've got uh, a lot of stressed out and overworked police officers out there trying to do quite a bit, uh, cutting corners uh, if necessary to, in an effort to try and manage large populations of people. Uh, I think that, you know, to say that you take care of your officers and to support something like a ban like this and waste taxpayers' dollars. I mean, I understand it's municipal, but I mean, if the federal government wanted to take care of people and truly had the public's interest at heart and public safety was uh, the real primary goal here, then I would think that they would, uh, you know, bolster those numbers. They would hire more police officers. They'd invest more money in community service you know, programs that you know, target at-risk youth uh, that might get involved in, you know, gang activity, uh, you know, increase security at the border and, you know, perhaps uh, spend a little bit more money on the CBSA, uh, you know, prevent the illegal guns that are being used in the crimes from being used, uh, you know, doing more to combat the actual problem, I think it would be where that money would be better spent. And of course, nobody's talking about, you know, exactly what it's going to cost because we know how the liberals like to um, you know, underestimate things. Uh, they thought that the long gun registry was only going to cost, uh, you know, a couple of hundred million, and that ended up being a $2 billion debacle. And people have forgotten that, you know, like I, I really do want people to understand that once upon a time there were a group of people that thought that, uh, you know, registering these guns uh, and, 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 and creating a registry uh, was going to improve public safety. I could tell you from... From a police officer's perspective, I never saw any improvement to public safety. We knew the legal gun owners were never part of the problem. Uh, and so, you know, now here we are once again looking down the barrel of uh, a huge expenditure, something that I've been talking about for years and something that you know is going to be a colossal waste. And we're going to let them do it again. And I mean, when you wonder why your taxes are so high and why the crime doesn't seem to be, you know, going down, uh, you know, it's events like this, you know, like things like this where they waste our money. 
Uh, well, we're Mark, we're in a new political era. Yeah. And I mean, it, you don't have to put on a tinfoil hat to realize um, there's a philosophy of thought going uh, into certain governments that, you know, they want people to rely on the government mm-hmm. and now they're even more so they want cradle to the grave total reliance on government services and so you know they 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 need higher tax revenues in order to implement these things and they're taxing the air we breathe now i mean that's that's where we're at and it it, it you know it really doesn't matter what you believe whether you're a hardcore right-wing old-style republican or a canadian conservative or you're an old-style uh traditional you know classical liberal or you're one of the neoliberal you know social justice warrior uh, uh you know hand ringers that are just everywhere now the 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 government wants power it it's very clear and if one so one side of the government fights constantly to get into power and is successful half the time and the other side of the government is usually in power and really resents not being in power and when they're in power they 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 rule autocratically and with very little input they pay lip service to being worried about every small group in the country, but the problem is, is they rip us apart, and they accuse the other side of doing it, of course. But it's it's not the other side that breaks us all down into little teeny groups, and to the point where we're faced in Canada with a, a real crisis of of federalism, because you know the West is rightfully angry and is very close to taking their toys and leaving the game. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I don't blame them. Nope. Um, you know, Quebec is, is re-emboldened. I mean, they, they are an important part of, of our country, but they're emboldened now to seek more, which will anger the West even more because Quebec takes more out of this country than anyone else. Uh, the East is, uh, still, bamboozled into believing that it needs the government te- to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they, they, it's, people don't realize, but the East is very, it's not very cosmopolitan. It's very, um, it's very 1960s Canada. It's very, very old fashioned and old fashioned Canada was liberal. Yeah. It, it really was. But the liberals of the 1960s were not the liberals of today. And the liberals of today are very uh, Toronto, um, social justice, and, and with a, a, a disregard for fiscal responsibility, which is frankly criminal in yeah. nature. It, it's completely uh, mobster. Uh, you know, uh, if you ran a company like this, you'd be thrown in jail for embezzlement. Uh, and they do it and they get away with it and no one cares. The fact that Kathleen Wynne isn't sitting in a jail cell right now is a, is a complete repudiation of our electoral system because, I mean, the, the tens of billions of dollars that were wasted in this province to turn us into the most indebted uh, sub-sovereign uh, entity in the world um, with nothing to show for it except for high taxes. And, you know, now we have a government in place that's having to cut services. And of course, they're hated for it. And, you know, but the problem is when you're bankrupt, you don't get to go out and spend money on the gold card and everyone's upset about it. And everyone's up in arms and all we're cutting schooling and, you know, the teacher, the, the, the teacher's 
are 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 demanding more and and the you know uh, the social services is demanding more and everyone's demanding more and more and more and you know we've had 15 years of spending like drunken sailors on a friday night in bangkok and there's no money left there's no money left. And so now all they can do is tax the air. Well, it's going to get warmer if you don't pay more tax. So let's tax that. And there's a tax on that tax, incidentally. There's HST on the carbon tax. So the government has figured out a way to tax a tax. And, you know, for people who throw their nose up in the air and put the Americans down, we can be pretty stupid and arrogant up here. And what we really are is we're out of touch. And our media has forgotten its role in society, and we are we are stuck entirely now with a, a media uh, uh, situation in Canada that somehow got the impression that their job is to filter information so as to elicit a partisan uh, front, a partisan sort of image of what news is rather than simply presenting the facts and letting people make their own decisions. So it's gotten to the point now where news isn't reported. Mm -hmm. If it's going to conflict with the stated goals of a news of, of a news organization. And, you know, and it's not just Canada that's going through that. There's a lot of it in the States and there's a lot of it in the UK and in, especially in Australia and New Zealand. And, you know, it's, it's a very frustrating time because the only thing I've ever wanted is to be treated like an adult and to be left alone to try and get ahead as best I can. And, you know, apparently I have to be a tax slave along with everyone else to help bring in new voters so that I can ensure a perpetual uh, electoral process whereby the same party keeps getting reelected, uses my tax dollars to do that, buys out all the national media. And, and then, and then, you know, no matter how bad or incompetent they are, they keep getting elected. And it's a very unfortunate and scary time. And I know we've, we've sort of seeked away from the whole gun thing, but it's, it's all part of it. The guns aren't an issue. They're, they're simply a means to an end for this liberal government. Uh, they think that they can bask in the glow of, uh, um, you know, Ardern's government in New Zealand, and they can look as brave and stunning as, as the New Zealand government did when it banned all the guns in New Zealand after the shooting in Christchurch, which was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. But... They took away the guns from all the people who didn't do it. Yeah. And that's what they always do. And the reality is our system works in Canada. There's And in fact, we go over the top. There is no reason in Canada why people who go through the vetting that we go through for restricted firearms, there's no reason why you couldn't own large capacity magazines and fully automatic weapons in this country. There's no reason at all. Because those people that own those devices are not committing the crimes. No. 
they're not carrying out these mass shootings and all this nonsense. They store their firearms properly. They go to the range. They enjoy their, their, their private property. They bring people shooting. They expand the shooting sports. They spend a lot of money. It's big business in Canada. And, and it's just another industry that Trudeau's liberals are going to pile drive into the floor. Yeah. And, you know, it's just a very, very frustrating time to be Canadian. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, you know, listening to you talk about gun owners that don't commit crimes, uh, I think if you spoke to Wendy Kukie, she would tell you that uh, the law-abiding are law-abiding until they're not. You know, I, I just, I love dealing with the left. You know, it, it seems like every time I turn around, I, I have a conversation with another person. And I, and I really want to impress upon you, people out there, that, you know, every time you set foot outdoors, you're presented with opportunities to discuss you know, these subjects. And if you think it's awkward, maybe bring up the subject of guns. I could tell you right now, um, you know, I wear my gear out. Uh, I've had my fair share of people ask me, what is that? And, you know, I've, I've had my conversations regarding, regarding firearm ownership in this country. And inevitably, I, I'm really surprised at how many people actually own guns, operate guns in this country. Like, I mean, every time I turn around, there's another person that tells me that they either have them or they've shot them before or that they've been, you know, friends or families' farms and, and, and really, you know, had a great time doing it, you know, safely operating firearms, nobody getting hurt, just, you know, people out there enjoying themselves like they're throwing lawn darts. I mean, like, the people that engage in these activities that have the correct licenses, um, you know, have gone through a lot of trouble, a lot of expense. We've talked about that, you know, uh, quite a bit. But, you know, like you're out there in public, you know, every time you sit down with somebody, I mean, I, hell, I could strike up a conversation with the barista and, you know, she's looking at me saying, you know, guns are bad. And I'm saying, well, there's there's a group of people that own them that don't do anything wrong with them. They're kind of like golf clubs to them. And uh, really, realistically, you know, they're highly regulated items and they're never really used in crimes. And I mean, if you really want the shootings to stop, you got to do something about, you know, that smuggling problem that the government continues to ignore. And, 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 and people are completely oblivious. I mean, I think, I think everybody out there wants the shooting to stop. And I think that most of the public has a very limited understanding of what our firearm community is. We get confused with the United States all the time. I mean, like well, they, but, but again, you know, like uh, that's frustrating as well yeah. because the United States is being unfairly demonized in Canada yeah. and it's just an easy agenda. And, and so, you know, Mark, some of the, some of the shootings are quite spectacular and, 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 you know, like the Americans do everything big. And mm. so when they have a mass shooting, they do it big. Yeah. And I don't know what the agenda is behind. A lot of these mass shootings are, are actual terrorism. Yeah. We forget that. Yeah. Some of the biggest ones have been actual terrorist attacks, mm -hmm. declared terrorist attacks. And of course, well, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I'm actually surprised they haven't had more terror attacks by gun in well, the United States. When you say big, when you say big, you know, big mass shootings, I mean, there, there was one just recently, right, that could have gone a lot differently. And, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah the church, you know, the church, Texas, the, yeah. the church in Texas, well, it was an attempted mass shooting. The yeah. But he but he lost out because a good person with a gun was there. Yeah. A man, uh, you know, a man that legally owned a firearm, had a carry permit, you know, responded immediately, uh, on site and, uh, definitely disabled the attacker very quickly and, uh, an impressive shot. I'm going to, I'm going to take my hat off right now to that guy. Another Wilson, you know, Tracy, <laughs> you know, uh, Tracy, I think, was uh, making comment about how uh, how he was a Wilson, uh, but that was like a fifty a fifty foot shot, you yeah. know, a moving target. And I mean, a, a, a trained individual, uh, a man that you know uh, worked at a shooting academy as an instructor, I believe, and uh, he responded immediately and stopped the threat. And actually, he was very apologetic when the news spoke with him. He said, "You know, it's a very sad thing. 
that that man decided to uh, come here and try and hurt people. And it's a very sad thing that we had to stop him. And so, you know, one shot, and, and it ended in six seconds. And it saved, you know, hundreds of lives, potentially. And, and uh, you know, well, I, I'm one of those guys, and a lot of people criticize me for this. I'm, I'm not very, you know, pro-carry. You know, a lot of people ask me that, and as a retired police officer, you know, I'm... I'm thinking that here in Canada, we uh, we just haven't reached a point yet where it's necessary. Uh, you know, is it possible? Sure. You know, well, could it? And, I mean, and there's a time and place for everything. True. Honestly, it's like some of these worst shootings have happened in nightclubs late at night. And I really don't think that carrying guns in a nightclub late at night is... Uh, a good situation well, in, in any in any way shape yeah um i mean that's you know they have security and you know if 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 they want to arm their security that's 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 one thing but um you know and it's a shame that people feel the need to carry sidearms in church i mean it's it's a shame that people would need to we ideally we want to live in a society where no one would ever need to do that yeah. but you know where it's needed uh, for instance, if you're going for a hike in the Rockies or you're going to do work up there or you're going on a long vacation or any of these kinds of things, um, or you, your your work keeps you out late at night in, in rough areas of, of, of Toronto or Hamilton or any of these places. I mean, if you're licensed and vetted and your background's been checked and you're trained and you're carrying equipment you're familiar with, and then I, I don't see a reason against it. I, I don't think it's a everyone needs to carry all the time. And, and I, I understand that that's problematic because you start getting into rights, yeah. you know, that I mean, I believe it's everyone's right to protect themselves. Um, and and I, I do like the Second Amendment. Yeah. Um, but it needs to be balanced with, you know, need and 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 that's tough because rights and needs are different things. Um, and my argument with guns in Canada is that guns are property. They're private property. And um, I don't think that anyone should have to surrender anything that they've legally acquired and and have legally owned and never broken a law in their life and have complied with everything. And now they're being told, well, because other people are bad, you're going to hand your stuff over. And it's ridiculous. You know, if they're so worried about it, you know, they could they could get rid of the motorcycle gangs right away by simply banning motorcycles. Yeah, like, there's true. the answer. True. That. Let's just go. Like, just think of that. The, you know, the Hell's Angels, the Red Devil, all these people, no more motorcycles, no more motorcycle gangs. Yeah. You just solved a huge part of crime, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know. You want to get rid of the mafia? Close down all the Italian restaurants. Oh, Shut them down. I can't now believe Now there's no see, more mafia. You, you just, you, that, now, you, now you've hit me where it hurts. Right? <laughs> I know. But you, Had to go after the Italian but, but community, it's, right? But it's just let's dumb. Just, let's it's, just ban Italians. Why don't just, we, hey, <laughs> you know. You know if, we shut, if we shut down all the cannoli shops in town, they'll just move on. Well, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just it's, ridiculous. It's, it's that, that level of nonsense. I could, I could say that because I'm Italian. And you know what? I, I when, when I am discussing this subject with people out in public, I I really do like to bring up, I really do like to bring up often uh, that it's, it's about property, just as you said, 
And I think that it's really important that people not allow their emotions to get the better of them. Uh, people, people quite often are content to uh, dismiss the idea that, you know, you own the property. And while, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's not such a bad idea that you don't have the guns, you know, well, you know, if they're offering you some money for them, well, I, you know, I'm going with not for sale and I'm going with, it shouldn't matter if it's guns. We're talking about the government stepping into people's lives without legal justification or, or any evidence to prove that it's going to improve public safety and then relieving you by force, uh, potentially, of, of your property. And and that's wrong. And it shouldn't matter if it's guns. It could be cars. It could be your bank account. It could be your house. It could be anything. It's a very slippery slope is the term that gets used quite You're often. You're damn right it is. And, and you were there during the conversation that I had with a, and a, he must have been in his 80s, great guy, nice guy, but he flat out, when he approached uh, you and I for a bit of discussion, he came right out and said, you know, I don't like guns. I'm like, I'm not the guy to talk to about this and said, you know, like, I don't think anybody but police and the military should be having guns. And I could tell that this gentleman had to be at least, you know, uh, in his 80s, uh, quite possibly well into his 80s. And, you know, and he was quite dead set against anyone uh, being a private citizen and, and being in possession of firearms, legal or otherwise. And and that was when I said to him, you know, and, and it was funny to see his tune sort of oh, change. Yeah. Did, oh, you, yeah. did, you, did you watch that? You know, yeah. he, he looked at me. Oh, and I, I saw his eyes. Yeah, did you see it in his eyes? I, I looked right at him and leaned into him and I said, you know what happens when only the police and the military have guns, don't you? And yeah. he's you, from the that, old country. Well, you know, you could see the hamster fall off the wheel. I mean, like he, he definitely got that look in his eyes, like, you know, and he, I could tell that perhaps he had been exposed to it at some point and how it could all go wrong. And he immediately said, yeah, there's potential for abuse there. Yeah. yeah okay. So that's, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the government taking legally owned property away from people, wasting taxpayers dollars to pay for it. Uh, certainly not the kind of thing that I would get behind. I, I'd like to think that everybody in Canada, uh, would not be getting behind the idea of the government, you know, unnecessarily stepping into their lives and imposing their will on you, uh, all in the name of public safety. Yeah. You know what? Show me the evidence that suggests that it's in any way going to improve public safety. I don't buy it. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. I'm waiting for somebody to come up with some concrete evidence. Uh, have you heard any? No. No. Yeah. no. I, I heard someone the other day, uh, I, I actually responded, it was in social media, and she said, I, I just don't understand why anyone needs an AR-15. And I said, well, first and foremost, it's not about need in a free country. And, you know, take that to its logical conclusion. No one, no one needs... A motorcycle. No. Nope. No one. No one needs a car. No. Nope. They can take a bus, or they can take a train, or they can grab a cab. That's right. No one needs a five-bedroom house. No one needs an abortion. Yeah. No one needs a gay marriage. No one needs a marijuana cigarette or a drink of alcohol. No one needs anything. No one needs to leave their house after eight o'clock at night. How far do you want to push this? And it's, you know, if you look, most crimes, about 80% happen after 8 o'clock at night. Well, all you need to do is put in place, a, you know, a, a, a curfew, a curfew and, and everyone will be safe. And that's what it's about if it saves one life, right? No one needs. I hate that line because who are you to determine what someone else needs? Think of the children. Well, it's, it's just, <laughs> it's ridiculous. So if, if you don't understand the gun debate, Stop thinking about the gun and start thinking about something that you love. And what would you do if someone turned around and said, I'm going to take this away from you for the good of the community. And the problem is, is someone else is making that decision, you know, 
And I, I really do believe it's akin to saying, well, you know, we, we need to, we need to fix all men to, to stop sexual assault. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it. Let's just, uh, let's take away their sex organs because, you know, the potential is there and, you know, that's, that's the problem. This, this argument can go so far and yes, tragedies happen when there are guns in society, but even worse tragedies happen when there are not. And any government that is afraid of its populace being armed, maybe isn't the right government to have in power. Right on. Well, we're going to we're going to finish off by encouraging everybody to sign the e-petition that's been circulating around. Uh, certainly, I've done my fair share of putting it up on Instagram. I encourage people to uh, repetitively put it up week after week uh, on their own pages. Uh, we beat them by sharing it, folks. That's how uh, that's how we win. Right? If we get that information out there, get everybody signing that thing, uh, bring it to the attention of your gun clubs, gun stores. Uh, it's really important that we get word out about what's happening. I think that when people are Faced with the actual facts, right, they have to they have to address uh, the issue of gun violence. Ultimately, you know, if we re- put up enough resistance to this, uh, we're going to get hurt. So, sign the petitions. Definitely uh, write those letters. I would encourage everybody to get out there and uh, you know do what they can to change attitudes towards legal firearm ownership by having those conversations with people. And uh, I think it's really important. You want you wanted to add something? One one more thing. Yeah. Um, we have one chance to stop this yeah. right now before this goes really bad. And the, the one chance is a change of government. And there's only one organization that is going to change this government. And, and realistically, and I know some people out there are going to disagree with me, but realistically at this time for this next election, our only chance is the conservative party. So my suggestion is spend the $30, buy yourself a conservative party membership, Support your local Conservative Party member. Make your position on this issue known to them and any other issues that concern you. If you are an NDP-leaning person or a liberal-leaning person and you're concerned about some of the things that the Conservative Party that you feel they may represent or that they've been accused of representing, then here's your chance to get in there and have your say and ha- and bend the ear of the people who are going to replace this horribly corrupt, inept uh, government that we've had in power for the last four years now. Go go join the party, have your say, vote in the new leader, and then help get this party elected in the next election. And then all things are possible. But we need to change this government, and it's got to happen. And that's our best chance. Wise words coming from our good friend, podcast, Brian. Brian, thank you so much for being here, buddy. I always love having you on the show and hearing your thoughts. Thanks, Mark. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. Don't forget to like and subscribe to us on YouTube and on Instagram. And as always, Canada, don't forget to shoot straight. Stay safe.